And so, Lord, we do pray that you would set us apart, that you would help us to understand our role in your kingdom, and, Lord, that we would cooperate with you as you bring your kingdom here on this earth. And so we pray that you would prepare us to hear your word and to respond to your word. Come, Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us into the Father's will to exalt Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you are seated, we're going to be looking um, beginning at Matthew 8 this morning. And as if you were here last week, you heard some affirmations of faith in the um, sermon, and I thought that maybe we could just read these together as we get ready to hear God's word. And so um, these are affirmations of faith, and so I invite you to read these along with me. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is alive and active in me. So we've been in a sermon series. We're so thankful to look around and see um, many familiar faces that we haven't seen in a while and guests. And so welcome. Um, I'm Pastor Gina, and I just want to tell you, we've been in a series on growing up into Christ, who's the head of the church. And so we've looked at growing up in lives of prayer. Growing up in faith, and today we're going to be looking at growing up in our spiritual authority. But we need a basic understanding of the king and the kingdom of which any who believe in Jesus are citizens of his kingdom. And so there were a few definitions, if you were here Thursday night for the class on Empowered for Witness, that were given, and I thought it might be helpful if we're going to listen to these um, scriptures read this morning, that we would just be reminded of these definitions. A kingdom is a sphere of sovereignty, a territory over which one rules. And the kingdom of God is the place where both the rule and the nature or the character of the king is manifest. Okay? And then as believers, we're citizens of God's kingdom, and he calls us over and over throughout scripture a royal priesthood. And so as we listen to these passages, I want you to listen to them through the grid of king, Jesus who's king, the kingdom of God, us as a royal priesthood in God's kingdom, okay? And so we're going to be looking at Matthew, um, starting at chapter 8 with verse 5. And actually we're going to look at two sections of Matthew to try to pull out this understanding of spiritual authority. And so first from Matthew 8, starting at verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, a Roman centurion, came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. 
I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. And so a recognition of Jesus' spiritual authority This Roman centurion has this faith to understand Jesus' spiritual authority that he could heal at a command. Didn't even have to go there. All right, so we're disciples, and we're watching this interaction with Jesus and the centurion, okay? And then the disciples see Jesus. We're just going to go through chapter 8 and look at the headings. He heals many, and then he calms the storm, and then he restores two demon-possessed men. And then he forgives and heals a paralyzed man. And then um, he raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. And he heals the blind and the mute. And then Jesus talks about, at the end of chapter 9, he's talking about the workers and the harvest. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus has such compassion, and he comes to announce the kingdom and bring the kingdom. And he he frames this as he's talking. He frames it in mission. And so we're listening, remember, as royal priesthood, and we're listening for the mission of God. Picking up chapter 10, we're going to look at 10 through 8. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles, first Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you've received. Freely give. This is the word of the Lord. So as we think about these two passages that I just read, and think about the centurion, he demonstrates great faith in the authority of Jesus. It says Jesus was amazed at the centurion's faith. And you'll notice that, in contrast, Israel lacked faith, and they were lacking a recognition of Jesus 
and his kingdom authority. Authority, in a, like a general dictionary, was decide, defined as having the ability to command. So if I'm in authority, I can make a command and somebody will do it. Um, in concept, this is what happens with the authority of parents. <laughs> when they give a command, pick up your room. And the children should respond and pick up. But the ability to command. Um, When we're thinking about spiritual authority, and I looked at several different references, and I'm just working out how I would define it myself. But I looked at craft. I looked at some materials from PRMI. And um, this is my working definition of spiritual authority, is receiving and exercising power from the Holy Spirit for God's kingdom purposes, right? Um, Some say it's receiving power um, or using power for God's kingdom purposes, but I want to understand that it's something that we receive and then we have to exert it. It isn't active if we don't exercise that. And so Jesus gives a command and the centurion's servant is healed. At that moment. And so he gives a command. He exercises authority. And he's exercising power. And Acts 10:37 to 38 says, You know what's happened throughout the providence of Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. So after Jesus' baptism, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so Jesus received this empowerment by the Holy Spirit and then he announces and he brings manifestations of God's kingdom on earth. Spiritual authority manifests the rule and the nature of God. So the rule of God, God is all powerful. And so he overcomes this paralysis. We read this, and I think maybe for some of us it's so familiar we don't stop to think about it. These are dead nerves. These are dead muscles. These are muscles and nerves that haven't functioned. And all of a sudden he can speak, and that body starts, it's recreated. It comes back into creation order. God's rule is also not limited by location. Right? So he didn't have to be present. He could just speak from a distance. And so there's this sovereignty of his rule. We also see in the spiritual authority that Jesus exhibits God's nature. He's merciful. He alleviates this terrible suffering. He has compassion. And then in Matthew 10, so these disciples have been following Jesus And he calls the 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And so the disciples are given the right as kingdom citizens. They have the right, but also the responsibility. When we think about citizenship, we have liberties or rights. We also have responsibilities or duties to receive and to exercise God's power for the Father's kingdom purposes. Are you tracking with me? Okay. 
the mission would not be accomplished if they don't both receive and then exercise the power that comes, and it comes from outside of themselves. Because do you not know that we in our own human strength cannot heal or raise the dead? We can't discern and cast out something that we can't even see in our own name. And so, again, abilities and power, strength, gifts that are given and that are received. And I wonder how those disciples felt when all of a sudden the one who had been leading and modeling goes, now you're going to do this. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And so they've been given authority. But if we think about in military terms, like you're given authority, but you have specific assignments where you go and exert that authority. If you're working in a platoon, um, you don't just decide where you're going to go and exert authority. You're waiting for commands from headquarters. Yes? And so, were there not suffering people in Samaria? Were there not suffering people among the Gentiles? And yet, at that particular time, in this particular situation, there's a specific assignment, and so we're given full authority, but we're limited to what is God's assignment. What is Jesus saying that the Father wants to do right now? And Jesus only did what he saw his Father doing. And so it's not about our will or our compassion or our love for people. It's about what, where does God want to exhibit his kingdom? And where does he want to manifest his character because of a message that he wants to bring to a particular people or a particular group, like Vic was at Walmart, and all of a sudden the Lord wants to manifest his kingdom in this person's family, but it takes somebody exerting power and authority and being willing to cooperate, okay? So we don't do it for our own desires and wishes. And I think Pastor Dave's sermon last week on faith, where there was two situations where there was a death, and one, the Holy Spirit came and raised from the dead, And the other, the church prayed faithfully in full faith and confidence of God's compassion. And then they, at one point, they, about six days after praying faithfully, they said, we believe the Lord is just, this is not his will right now. And they trusted in his goodness, even if they didn't understand his answer right then. And so we follow specific assignments. When um, the disciples start to do the things of Jesus, they start to, we see the um, restoration of them as image bearers. Okay, so as humanity was designed to rule over the fish and the um, creation, then in the fall into sin, when choice of sin entered the world, we, our, our image bearing was fractured. When Jesus restores us back in as image bearers, then suddenly we start to reflect our family, that we are co-heirs with him. All right, so 
a little bit later in Matthew 10, a verse I didn't read, but it says, The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above the master. It's enough for the students to be like their teachers, and servants like their masters. And so when we're given spiritual authority, we aren't over God telling him what we want him to do. We may ask, but we don't tell him or command him to do something. But we come under his authority, but we also start to reflect his authority. And so people will see that, oh, these men were unschooled ordinary, but they've been with Jesus. We're unschooled ordinary. Even with the most education here, we're still learning. We're busy learning as students of of, um, God. But we've been with the Lord. And we're exerting his kingdom influence on earth. Charles Craft in his book, I Give You Authority, says that Jesus used his power specifically to show his love. And so whenever we're talking about exerting spiritual authority, using or exercising power, we're talking about something that is wrapped in love. Always love. Expressing his authority as prophet, priest, and king Stay with me here. The yellow is the prophet. As you go, proclaim this message, the Holy Spirit, for proclamation. All right? The kingdom of heaven has come near you. That's what they're proclaiming. Then go and heal the sick and cleanse those who have leprosy. I'm skipping a little bit, but that, that's kind of in the blue, if you can tell. That's more the priestly roles. And then raise the dead and drive out demons. Very kingly, like the power And so um, that's kind of in an orangish color. But I wanted you to see how that Jesus, he functioned fully as prophet, priest, and king. And we, too, share in that prophet, priest, and king role. And so um, then we go to the end of Matthew. I'm skipping through. So I looked at Matthew 8. I looked at Matthew 10. Now we're going to the very end. And he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And I think you would agree with me that every church has grabbed a hold and said, this is our great commission. We need to go and make disciples. But have we thought about what he said about all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me? And then he goes on to say, but way in Jerusalem for the gift that my father has promised that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so again, there's this, I'm giving you authority. You need to receive power and exercise this kingdom of God power to accomplish your mission. And so spiritual authority is receiving and exercising power from the Holy Spirit for God's kingdom purposes. This power, again, is not self-generated. It's a gift. I remember the first time that I was asked to pray for somebody's back. And I was a registered nurse, and I thought, I um, stand, sit, and lie down, like change positions, take anti-inflammatories. Like I knew the routine for back pain. But when somebody asked me, would I lay hands on and pray for a back? You see, I didn't understand the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't understand the empowering of um, the Spirit at that time. I was just learning. And it took faith 
to join others and to pray for someone's back, that I just was kind of looking at this through a scientific medicine viewpoint. But then I thought about Jesus' love and would it be okay? I mean, I pray about many other needs. Um, Could I pray in this way? And when I laid hands on him, when we prayed, and all of a sudden the girl bends over and stands back up and starts going through these twisting motions, and she's like, it's unbelievable. Like, and, and this was my quite skeptical friend from um, Bible study that always was questioning God. And anyway, and at that moment, like God showed his manifest character and his kingdom power And my friend, I don't think, has struggled with doubts since. And it did something in me to just say, hey, maybe it would be okay. And now I'm at a point of not saying maybe it's okay, but maybe this is what God had all along, and I just didn't know. Friends, um, I might freak you out a little bit, but this is the way I've been praying for you as a pastor. I've been thinking about this, how Jesus gave them authority, and then he named them off, specific name by name, and then he sent them out. And I've been praying, and I've been saying, Lord, Stephanie, Mark, Jalisa, the Glasses, Vic, the Adams, Nick, Luke, Laurel, I've been naming you. In prayer and saying, Lord, would you send them out to go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near? Would you send them out to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons? Freely you've received, Lord. They've received your grace freely. Lord, would you make them conduits of your grace? I've been praying for you. I've been praying for us to grow in our spiritual authority. And I'm going to invite Mark and um, Pastor Jim. Is John? Oh, it's on. I, I thought his name was Jim. Like, oh. <laughs> Pastor Jim, who has been worshiping with us, and um, Mark, to share a little story about prayer walking. Was that two weeks ago maybe now? So I don't know which one of you is starting, but hold it up nice. Yeah, it was, <clears throat> actually it was um, eight days ago. Um, and so at the beginning of the prayer walk, we, we were asking the Lord to show us where we should go and who we should pray for. And I got a picture of Burger King, and I thought, that's funny, I'm not even hungry. So I thought, that must be from the Lord. So then um, I also got a picture of a black man. So I thought, maybe we're to go and pray for a black man at Burger King. So I told Mark about it, and he said, well, let's go. On the way, we actually prayed, Lord, would you make it really obvious to us who we should pray for? Because we'd had a discussion about how how our mind talks us out of this sometimes. And uh, so, Lord, please make it really obvious. So we get there, and I get to Burger King, and I'm looking for a black man, and I don't see a black man, and I think, oh, Lord. Oh, well. So Mark says, well, let's just have a seat. And as we go to sit, there's a black man in the corner. And I thought, thank you, Lord. 
Okay? So I, I felt it was a real confirmation. So then as we were talking and praying and saying, you know, Lord, show us who we should pray for. All of a sudden, within five minutes, a man collapsed. He wasn't the black guy. It was not the black man, but it was a white guy who apparently was drunk, and he just collapsed. And so we went over there with a few other people, and we helped get him up. And then Mark and I just stayed with him and began asking him questions, and he was very, very grateful. And he just started opening up his heart to us. And we ended up having about 45 minutes where we were kind of doing a combination of some counseling and some prayer. Yeah. And then, okay, go ahead. Yeah, uh, um, so as we were there with him, um, he was just kind of coming back out of kind of a stupor that he was in. And we were praying, asking the Lord to give him a clear mind and to minister to him. Uh, because we could see that he was really struggling and really hurting. And uh, so he was starting to open up to us and started to share some things with us that he had never shared with anyone else. Uh, Things about his past, about some of the traumas that he went through as a youngster. And um, at that point, um, he said he was really ashamed, and we were both sensing there's a lot of shame here. And uh, shame is something that often drives people to um, alcoholism because we're trying to self-medicate and cover up that shame. And so I just felt led to pray to bind. And so I prayed like this. I said, in the name of Jesus, I bind any shame until it can be dealt with at a later time when Jesus heals those places where it's coming from. And right, yeah, right as I did that, he was like... And he said, wow, that took my breath away. Right as I said, I bind shame. Uh, because shame is often something that the kingdom of darkness also attaches to, and it's uh, fueled by, uh, can be fueled by demons. And so binding that, uh, we saw that visible reaction. And then the fruit of that was that um, he was able to be more clear-minded. And um, he asked us if, we could use, if he could use my phone to call his mom and tell her that she was okay Um, He called his brother, and um, we talked to him about going to Teen Challenge, and he was open to that as well, where where he was not before. Um, So we were just able to see that authority that God gave through the promptings to go to Burger King, to pray with this man, and then to bind that shame in Jesus' name and in Jesus' authority. Um, And we saw that happen and the fruit of that. And I I wanted to say that um, sometimes you interpret the impression or the picture uh, inaccurately. It's like pieces of a puzzle and you kind of guess. You know, I had thought, oh, we're going to be praying for a black man. But actually, the black man got up and brought this man some food and mm-hmm. was really a big help in, in ministering to him. So it's like, thank you, Lord, for the confirmation. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you. We both sensed um, pray about shame. And then when, when we saw the reaction, we figured that's a manifestation that the Lord had done something good there. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing. Friends, um, we aren't the only ones that have ever needed to grow up in understanding this power. Um, pastor's prayer 
Pastor Paul in Ephesians prays this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Paul prays that the people would grow in understanding this great power that's for us who believe and for us to exert so that his kingdom comes and his will is done. There's so much that could be said about spheres of authority, but you know how he said, start with Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, proclaiming his kingdom is near, and we need to start in our own lives. I am submitted to, I'm in a relationship with Jesus and with the Father, and so proclaiming and reminding ourselves and fighting the own internal battle. Some of us, if we think about warfare motif again, we need to hold the ground and advance the ground, right? But we need to hold it. And so how do we hold it in our personal spheres? And we start by understanding that we can't exert any authority unless we're in relationship with God. And then we receive that authority, and that authority is his word, and he gives us the the, um, practice of prayer. And so there's so many things that I could say about the weapons of word and prayer, but I just want to say, when you're tempted to fear, Lord, you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When you're tempted to despair, Lord, you came to bring um, beauty for ashes and restore joy for mourning. And so, Lord, would you help me right now? Would you strengthen me? Would you help me know that what I'm in right now is not going to be the final say? This is not my inheritance, and Lord, help me and strengthen me. If you're tempted to sexual sin, Lord, I call to mind that you say that I'm holy, and you say, be holy as I'm holy. And so, Lord, would you give me the... um, the wisdom to just turn my eyes to Jesus and to take every thought captive. And Lord, I choose not to look at pornography. I choose not to lust. I choose to look to you and I choose to look to sexual purity until I'm married. And Lord, I choose, I choose not to commit adultery. I am choosing as a, as a choice of my will, but Lord, I need your strength now. Lord, give me strength, give me power, and then start to praise him. Turn your eyes to Jesus and praise him. Stay in that place of praise until the breakthrough comes. When you're tempted to gossip, Lord, you say love always trusts and always hopes and always protects. And Lord, I want to use my tongue for good and not for evil. And so, Lord, what is it that's making me feel a little insecure or wanting to put somebody else down? Lord, would you help me have a control of my tongue? Lord, I need your help in that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like how to fight with the word and how to, how to pray and to resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. That is exerting spiritual authority in your own life. All right? Then there's so many more opportunities of things that I could talk to you about. But I just want to say that then Jerusalem and Judea, your family, your relationships at work, your church family. We need to encourage each other. We need to sometimes exert the authority of the kingdom in one another's lives to help, 
to resist evil, to help, as Marissa shared this beautiful testimony about receiving God's love, and she needed somebody else to come and proclaim the kingdom and to pray for her. And we can do that in one another's lives. But we can also do it to the ends of the earth. And Burger King may not be the end of the earth. But it's going a little bit further out. And Walmart's going out on 50-something street. And we prayed about bring the nation, bring this nation back. But then I was in my mind going, and the nation's back. And so all across the world, we can be praying The Lord will show us where to direct our prayers, where to exert our spiritual authority, and how can we grow in spiritual authority, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Pray in your own words. Your prayers aren't going to sound like mine. But be in the word and let the word shape your prayers. All right? So be in the word and let the word shape your prayers. Ask God to remove any doubt or skepticism. Maybe you've just been kind of judging this Um, this kind of concept of like exerting kingdom authority, if you need to do some confession and repentance, do that. If you need to say to the Lord, I am ignorant about this, but I, I believe that there's something here, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and to just show you and start reading through the Gospels again, looking for kingdom authority and power. And how is that displayed and coming about to bring God's purposes? Because it's about making a signpost pointing people to Jesus, who is the king. And finally, there's a, um, in your worship folder, there's a little handout that says, Day 25, Sharing in the Authority of Christ, that we wanted to make available to you. Um, I want you to know that every office bearer in this church has prayed this prayer and is praying this prayer that our church would grow up in sharing in the authority of Christ. And the publisher gave permission us to make copies so that we could distribute to all of you today but pray and ask the lord to help you and to help us grow up as a church that will exert the authority that we've been given so that more and more people can come into the kingdom amen amen Amen. And as the um, worship team comes, why don't you stand up and maybe just hug somebody and say, I'm glad you're here.